Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone, the internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Simon Tierney joins us uh, once again for something. I don't know if they, if, if the porno film really exists anymore or does it? No, it doesn't really, uh, Sean. The golden age of porn from the late 60s to the early 80s, it was about a cinematic experience. These were pornographic films that were reviewed by, you know, uh, the New York Times, for example. Deep Throat was reviewed by the New York Times in 1972. They were talked about on chat shows and, and all the rest. So there was a certain... Um, currency to them but nowadays we've actually reverted back to the sort of the the stag loop or stag film era which predates the uh, the the 70s the golden age of porn right uh, and in the golden age of porn there, there was at least some sort of attempt at storytelling absolutely yeah because these were feature films there was always you know um, a story punctuated by some heavy petting and yeah. then go back to the story for <laughs> a bit. But it's interesting, Sean, like, you know, we've talked on this lot before about how pornography often reflects the uh, progress of technology. And and that is true with film as well, in the sense that in the late 19th century, when the Lumiere brothers in France pioneered the first moving picture in 1895, it was one year later that the first porno came out. Which is quite extraordinary. 1896. <laughs> it is. Well, that is because that just shows things don't change. Internet comes along. Everybody goes, what's this amazing new technology going to be used for pornography for the most part? Same yeah. with film. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is true. So, um, so tell us about that first film. Yeah, well, this was a, a film called Le Coucher de la Mariée. I mean, it comes as no surprise that perhaps that the, the French are responsible for many of the early pornography movies, not least because they invented moving pictures. So that makes sense. Um, But, you know, this film, it was eight minutes long, black and white, obviously. And it's, uh, in English, it means bedtime for the bride. And it basically, I watched it uh, on Friday when I was at home. And it's, it's interesting. It's very mild by today's standards it's more of an erotic tease than anything it's about Mm. a newly married couple they're in the marital bedroom she strips down in her late Victorian clothing which takes a while as you can imagine and (laughs) then then she hops into the bath and uh, he administers the bath and then she gets out and she dries herself off with a towel and puts her clothes back on and everyone's delighted with themselves so that's kind of the first (laughs) I mean, is the sex kind of more implied then? No, there's no sex. Yeah. So this is, it's more of an erotic film. Right. We need to go to 1908. I'm choosing this date as probably the first hardcore pornographic film. And it's interesting, like, you know, we start to use the word pornography in the, in this period, in the 10s and 1920s, because... Pornography was something that was literary and something visual in a, you know, a magazine or of the, the late 19th century French postcards uh, were the early kind of forms of pornography. But it was, it, it, it means something literary. It comes from the Greek word um, uh, porni, which means prostitute, and graphene, which means write. So it literally means to write about prostitutes. That's what pornography okay. is in its literal translation. 
but it makes that shift over to the moving pictures the 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 film medium very successfully because of course it's like extremely lazy consumption you don't have to turn pages you don't have to read anything you just watch it and what we see with the very first uh hardcore pornography film in 1908, Sean, is that uh, it's called La Bonne Auberge or The Good Inn in English. And I also watched this and it's very explicit. I was really quite taken aback by how explicit this film was. Um, It consists of a soldier who has returned from the front and uh, he stays in a and b for the night and he engages in a menage a trois with the chambermaid who's been cleaning his bedroom. Some tropes never change. Yeah. And the daughter of the innkeeper. And they engage in what can only be described at this time of the day on national radio as the administration of mutual fellatio. Right, okay. And uh, Well, it could be described a number of ways, but that was one. Uh, okay, certainly. There was a scene uh, we, we, there was a scene involving a vacuum cleaner, uh, apparently. Yeah, was yeah. that an electric vacuum cleaner? Or, or? Yeah, I mean, someone who uh, has studied these uh, household <laughs> items for many years on this lot, I was very interested to see the vacuum cleaner that she was using. But she uses it not for cleaning the room, yeah. but for, for mm, something else. Mm, yeah. So that's 1908. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. That's then, and it was it how long was this? Like a full length movie? This was no, no, no. Again, <clears throat> this was short, and uh, that's an important point that you make there, Sean. Because as we move into the 1910s, 1920s, this is really the era of the stag loop. Now, what do I mean by that? Mm. This is a period of pornography that lasted from sort of 1908 until 1968, 1969, really, when Andy Warhol brought out uh, Blue Movie. Um, And these are short films which are purely for male consumption and they're shown in brothels, at university fraternities um, and at parties, which were called stag parties. And these are the original stag parties. They are... uh, you know, short films and uh, there were thousands of them. The Kinsey Institute in Indiana, in Indiana has collected them. There was about 2,000 of these films made over a short period in the early to mid 20th century. Crikey. Now, as much of us now in the and so in the same way that perhaps, you know, we can, uh, you know, the argument's been made many times before that uh, because of such universal uh, access to pornography, it's kind of giving uh, young men particularly a kind of a warped view of actually what sex involves. Mm. Were, were these kind of similar? Yeah, yeah. I, I In in some ways they were. I think um, they were very much for the, the sort of um, the 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 consumption of of men there was nothing really mm. to suggest that this was something that could be enjoyed by both men and women um they were there's three in particular that I, I found interesting like El Sotario is an Argentinian film from around 1910 notable for its pioneering use of the extreme close-up um, there was Amam Bend a German stag film about a male voyeur and most interesting perhaps and I also watched this one was A Free Ride an American porno from 1915 which uh, features a man in a Model T a Ford Model T 
and he picks up two women on the side of the road and they uh, engage in uh, sexual intercourse and it's funny when you read the credits at the end it says that the film is made by a WB Hard first name Will (laughs) and it it shows that the anonymized porno names have existed for a really long time But, but just to go back to your question there a moment ago Sean because about how we interpret it how we Hmm. interpret this history because it's interesting as I was researching this it came into the back of my mind okay well when was the first gay pornographic film Mm. you know and because when you think about these films these were all illegal films these were not shown before the 1960s before Deep Throat and all that it was all underground it was illicit and there were very strict censorship laws so all porn was illegal so everyone was kind of operating in a similar sphere whether it was heterosexual or homosexual porn and in 1920 there was the first I'm going to say gay porn but it's not really but it has gay porn in it in the sense that the way people got around what was socially acceptable in the world of porn at that time or in society in general was to 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 kind of place homosexual sex within the context of threesomes heterosexual threesomes so the first gay porn movie was again a french film called le menage moderne de madame butterfly based on the puccini opera but with added extras um and uh this again it concerns um a threesome but there is gay sex in it. So can we call that the first gay right. porn movie? Okay. Perhaps yeah. we can. <laughs> um so that's that's how they that's how they got around that, which is interesting, I think. Uh, so th- the fact though, I suppose that Andy Warhol makes this in the 60s and makes this, you know, and he's an artist, so it suddenly gives the idea of the porno film so, so some sort of artistic merit or does it? Yeah, I think it does. I think um, Andy War Andy Warhol was um, famous for sticking his stamp on a whole load of things to kind of legitimise them, from Campbell's baked beans to <laughs> to uh, porn films. But Blue Movie, as he called it, when it was released in nineteen sixty nine, it did legitimise it in a way because what happens in this period, particularly with this movie, Sean, and then two years later or three years later with Deep Throat, is that they do have cinema theatrical releases. And that's what changes the Ev- landscape. Everywhere. or Because uh, there's lots of states. That would not everywhere. Yeah. Like Deep Throat uh, with Linda Lovelace, that was banned in 23 states. So most states in America mm. did show it. Uh, but it was in court for obscenity laws for many, many years. Even the male star of the movie, Harry Remus, he was... Um, Harry Reems, sorry. He was... Uh, convicted in Tennessee in 1978, uh, 1976 for his participation in the movie. Now, it was overruled on appeal, but that movie, despite making $600 million in box office receipts on a budget of Mm. $25,000, it did go through the courts a a lot. It really did. You'd imagine so. Yeah. And, and so then, like, th- then th- did that open the floodgates? Because I mean, <clears throat> not too long after that, then you had, you know, video cassettes and that kind of thing that, that probably altered it yet again. Yeah, I think 
What's interesting, I mean, the the golden age of porn or porno chic, as it was called, these narrative porn films, feature length films with theatrical releases, it lasted from sort of 69 to the early 80s. And you're absolutely right. You've hit the nail on the head there, Sean. It's the birth of the video star not only killed, uh, the birth of video not only killed the radio star, but also the porn star because it meant that you could watch it in the privacy of your own home. Porn reverted to a shorter form, seedier, less regulated uh, industry after that. Mm. Uh, And it remains so with the transition to the internet, really. It's unheard of, as you mentioned at the top of the item, to see, uh, you know, a, a a, a movie made in 2021 or 2020, which is a feature length porn film. It just doesn't happen. People aren't um, watching it for that, really. Pl- please correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but it's all—it's like the stag loops of the 1920s and 1930s. They're short, 8, 10, 15 minute videos, which are there for one reason and one, for one reason only. I mean, with the, the Deep Throat and Blue Movie, these were date movies. People went to them. <laughs> honest to God, Deep, Deep Throat was a date movie. People would go there as couples wow. and they would enjoy it. And it was something that was talked about, you know, um, uh, late night chat show hosts would talk about they'd have the stars on all that kind of thing and it was much more open in a way whereas nowadays you know you never hear really of porn stars they're not big mainstream stars like the way they were in the 1970s yeah there was um, Linda Lovelace though said, said that she felt pressure to do things in that well Linda Lovelace uh, there's an extraordinary movie that came out about five or six years ago called uh, I think it's just called Lovelace with Amanda Seyfried and it's about the making of Deep Throat and about Linda Lovelace and it's it's a brilliant uh, movie um, with a host of, of interesting actors in it and it gives you a really good insight into what that early part of the golden age of porn was like behind the scenes. I mean, she was treated very badly from her own perspective. That's what she argues in her memoir. Um, She is said to have been paid about $1,250 on a movie that grossed over uh, half a billion um, Hmm. dollars. So, uh, you know, that obviously was the beginning of, you know, very difficult times for many women in the in the porn industry and and that has to be highlighted too of course Simon uh, pleasure as always uh, Simon Tierney there you are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk Moncrief on News Talk